Let's read Psalm 37.4, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart. Amen. When Jeremy and I go places to the to get our hair cut or just to the grocery store, somehow we always end up meeting people and they always ask us how we met. I know it's a setup every time. And Jeremy always says to them, this story will make you believe in God. He's basically saying to them, are you sure you wanna hear it? And they always do. And I always, I always tell them it don't matter if they wanna hear it or not. But can I tell you a little bit of our story tonight? Because I feel like that it has a lot to do with what I'm gonna talk about. And I don't have to get into all of it. I'll tell you the boy version, okay? The boy version is the shorter version. It is much less words. The, the girl version is all the details and the gushy romance, but that's what you wanna hear though, isn't it? I know, I know, me too. Sometimes when he tell, he's telling the story, I'm like, babe, you're leaving out all the good parts. We need to hear the gushy stuff. But I'll tell you the short version. Basically, Jeremy saw a picture of, you already started the story for me. Jeremy saw a picture of me, but, and he thought that's the girl I'm gonna marry, which what he didn't know is that I saw him months and months before that. And he was preaching at Southwest Believers Convention. I had kept feeling like that I needed to go to Southwest Believers Convention, but I didn't know why. And for a long time, this desire came up in my heart, almost like this knowing that I should be there. And I realized one day, I'm like, this isn't something that I, could do. This is something that I should do. So I packed up my stuff and I went to Southwest Believers Convention. I was with a friend. She was quite a bit younger than me. And we went and I was there all week enjoying the word. It was actually my first time to go. Y'all, this was over 10 years ago. We're celebrating 10 years this year. It's so special. And I went with her and throughout the whole week, I went and hear the, heard the word. It was so good and so refreshing. But by the end of the week, I thought, Lord, what was so important that I needed to be here? Because I actually quit my job so I could be at this meeting. I knew that so much that I was supposed to be there that I quit my job. I only had two weeks of vacation that year and I had gone to the Sea of Galilee um, to, to Israel with all my friends and we had had these two weeks in heaven. It was so amazing. And um, actually, that's where the picture was taken that Jeremy saw of me. It was on the Sea of Galilee. So I actually, I'm thankful that I went on that trip. And then I quit my job. <laughs> I went to Southwest Believers Convention. And while I was there, the very last day, uh, my friend, she was quite a bit younger. She said, will you please take me to the youth meeting? I went to the youth meeting reluctantly, made my way through the packed uh, lines of teenagers thinking, what am I doing here? I went in, sat down, and this really, really good looking guy gets up to speak. And I am like, captivated. He starts preaching and I am like, that's Brother Copeland in like a really young body. <laughs> I was like, I just thought he was so cool and the word was so rich and I just, I, he dressed so cool. I think Aubrey bought him that outfit that night. He looked really cool and I was just enamored. I'm like, this, I'm sitting there in my seat and I keep thinking, this has got to be my husband. 
this has got to be my husband. That's how in awe I was. I was, I was frozen in time. If you could have seen like a little cartoon version like up here, there would have been like hearts flying up like up here. And I was like totally enamored. And I, I sat there and I watched him and then he prayed over this little girl in the, in the healing. I just could sense the healing power of God in the room and I was just in heaven. And I just thought this has got to be my husband. And I left and I went back to Texas. I mean, back to, sorry, Missouri then. Now I live in Texas. Get that right. Um, I went back to Missouri and I uh, got home and I thought that had to have been my flesh. That had to have been my flesh. I just saw a guy under the anointing that had to have been my flesh. And I totally wrote it off like, well, I didn't hear from God. That was just my flesh. Anybody that would have seen him preach that day would have been like, that's my husband. <laughs> He's so hot. <laughs> so I, I went home and I just kept it to myself, but I was totally in love. I didn't say anything other than to my mom, but I did say something to my brothers. I'm like, you guys got to go online and watch this really good preacher. And I didn't say like good looking at the time. I didn't want to give it away, but I did say, you got to go online and watch, you got to watch this guy. He's so good. And so the word and faith and so yummy. And so I, I just, I was totally crazy about him, but I thought, you know what? I'm just going to keep this between me and God. Jenny called me. Y'all know Jenny Coots? Well, she was my friend at the time. We were really good friends and she called me and I wanted to say to her so bad, why did you never tell me about your hot cousin? Why? But I didn't, I didn't say anything. I kept my mouth shut. I felt the Lord was like, just shh, keep this between me and you. Just don't say anything. So I just kept my mouth closed and months went on and I saw things were just little interesting things were happening all the time to remind me of Jeremy. I hadn't forgot about him, but I had, I was doing my ministry. I was busy serving at my church and serving the Lord. And I loved what I was doing. I loved where I lived. And one day I saw in the Believer's Voice of Victory magazine that he was going to be on teaching on the BVOV. And I thought, I've got to watch him. I've got to, I've got to watch this. I got to get up every morning. I got up every morning, set my alarm before I went into work. I got another job when I got home. I got, a, I was a school teacher and God made a way for me to get a job. But I watched him every morning. I felt like I was watching him. I was like, I feel like I know him. I feel like he's my best friend. This is so awesome. I've got to meet this dude. And then like, I got a call from Jenny and she said, my mom was wondering if you want to come down for New Year's Eve. Y'all were having a big party here or service or something. And, and I, I said, I want to go so bad, but I had already committed to do music and to do worship at my church that night. So I went to church in Branson, went up on stage that night, the night I could have probably met Jeremy in Fort Worth, Texas. And I stood there on stage and I said, Lord, I'm going to honor you with my night, but I ask you to open up a way for me to meet Jeremy. So another month went by. And another month went by, and I am really, really wanting to meet him. Still haven't said anything to anyone. This was my little secret with the Lord. And I just kept quiet. I knew God just wanted it to be between me and him. And I thought, if it's God, he'll take care of it. He'll work it out. And I get a phone call one day at work, and it's Cody Oaks. Do you guys know Cody, Aubrey's husband? He used to be my friend. Well, he is my friend still. 
they were not, they were just dating, weren't they? They just started dating. And Cody calls me and he says, hey, Sarah. And I'm sitting at my desk. This is, okay, so I saw him first in August at Southwest. This is fast forward to February, okay? So I'm sitting in my office at work. My kids are out at recess or something. And he calls me, he says, Sarah, I'm just wondering if you would ever be interested in meeting Jeremy Pearsons. He's had you on his heart and he doesn't know why. (laughs) And I just totally played it cool. I was like, I'm not giving anything away to Cody. I knew Cody. He was going to go home, tell Jeremy everything I said. So I just played it cool. And I was like, really? That's interesting. And I like, <laughs> like, oh my, I'm thinking in my heart, like, oh my gosh. Actually, I said, oh my God, what did you do? Like, I knew it was God. I'm like, there's no way nobody knew. Nobody knew this is my secret. Me and God had this secret. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what's happening right now? And Cody says, well, would you ever be interested in coming down to Fort Worth and hanging out with all of us? And we could, y'all could just get to know each other. I was like, I got to keep playing it cool. So I said, <laughs> I said, if he wants to come to Branson, I'll go hang out with everybody. Sure. I'll go hang out with everybody. And I'm still like, And I said, I'll hang out with him if he comes to Branson. So that was about the end of the conversation. I get off the phone and I, I turn the phone off and I like look up to heaven and I'm like, Lord, what is going on? I know this is you. This is so awesome. What's happening? But then it was, I heard nothing for another month. But I know something's going on. I knew God was working for me. I knew something was happening. And then I get a call from Rachel Mayer. So we're all family here, aren't we? Okay. So Rachel was one of my other friends. We had met in Israel, actually, on the Sea of Galilee trip. She's the one who had my picture on her desk with all the puppies and the, if you've heard Jeremy told the story, there were also other pictures of puppies and flowers and stuff. Okay. Um, So she was the one that had my picture and she calls me and she says, hey, Sarah, what's up? What's going on? I'm coming to the Branson Victory Campaign in March. I'm so excited. We're going to see you and all this stuff. And we were talking and talking. And I said, you guys, I ended up giving you the long version of this story. Are you okay? Okay. And she says, we're going to have um, so much fun. This is going to be awesome. And I said, you know what? I need somebody. And I forgot about Jeremy at this point. I'm not thinking about him. But I knew of this other guy from college that always asked me out in college. And I heard he was going to be at this meeting. And he got on my nerves so much in college. And I said, Rachel, I need somebody at this meeting. I was kind of joking around. I need somebody to pretend like they're my boyfriend. Because this guy from college is going to be here. And he always asks me out. And he will not take no for an answer. And she started laughing. She's like, oh, (laughs) my cousin could do that. He's coming to the Branson Victory Campaign. I was like, huh, come again? <laughs> your, your cousin, uh, what's his name again? Oh, your, that cousin, Jeremy, is that his name? Oh, he's coming to the Branson Victory Campaign. Why is he coming to the Branson Victory Campaign? I knew, I knew he was coming for me. I knew it. I was, I knew it. And so she's like, oh, he's just coming. He's getting a ride with, um, he's getting a ride with my grandparents. They're flying up here and he's just gonna fly up with them. He just wants to come and go to the meeting. I was like, you are lying to me. You are lying to me. And I got off the phone. She didn't say anything else. And the next day she calls me and she says, Sarah, I have to apologize to you. I was kind of not 
truthful with you. He is coming to the Brands of Victory campaign, but he's coming to meet you, but you're not supposed to know. So that was February. I, the, the meeting wasn't until March. I spent the whole month of February working out, ladies. <laughs> working out. I picked out all my outfits for the whole week. I was totally prepared because I was about to meet my husband. And I knew it. I knew it. And you know, we both knew we were going to marry each other before we even met. Is that so cool? Oh, God. So by the end of this, you know, he had, I don't know if you've ever heard this part of the story, but basically he was in the, um, at his house one day and he was getting ready for a youth group. And this is one of my favorite parts. You know, he was youth pastoring there and he was in his closet. He said he decided that day he was just going to go into his prayer closet and pray. So he went into the closet and he got down on his knees and he just began to talk to the Lord about youth and what he was going to preach that night. And the Lord he said all he could think about was the girl in the picture. And he kept thinking about the girl in the picture. I don't want to cry. It's my favorite part. Um, <laughs> he said he kept thinking about the girl in the picture. And he said to the Lord, Lord, if you want to talk about Sarah, he realized, God's trying to talk to me now. If you want to talk about Sarah, talk to me about Sarah. And he said he got up from that prayer time and he knew that he was going to meet me in March, marry me in September, and that we were going to go to Africa and minister for the first time in October together. And it happened just like that. We met in March. We were married in September, and we went to Africa to minister in October. And I think about it. <laughs> I look back, and this story always ministers to me, even when I tell it, ministered to other people, because I think about how God spoke to him on my behalf and he loved me <laughs> so much that he would speak and he would work for me and he would move for me and honor me and he gave me the secret petitions of my heart the things that were the deepest the longing of my soul and the deepest part of me, those petitions, the deepest things in me, he gave me the secret things that were only between me and him. And I believe that God desires to have secret, special things between him and each one of us that nobody else knows about. In fact, I believe those are the most special things to him when we choose to believe him and trust him for the secret things. Not telling everybody what we're believing God for or the things we're standing in faith for. I'm not saying it's wrong to tell anyone, but I think the most important thing is there are some things that are between you and God. Just between you and God. To petition is to request or to ask for something that you desire. A petition can also mean to press, to press. I have learned that if I want God's best in my life, it is not just going to fall on me. I have to press for it. I have to go after it by faith. I have to go and press into it and receive it from the Lord. Pressing on God is not the same thing as putting pressure on people. What I'm talking about is something 
that is a faith life that lives a life at rest, that is fully confident in God alone, trusting in God, relying on God, leaning on God, faith in God for yourself. I was teaching this message a couple weeks ago and I called it, get your own God. You and I at some point in our life can't rely on mommy and daddy and can't rely on grandpa and grandma. We've got to get our own God. And we have to learn to stand and to hold fast to him and to cling to him. I'm not talking about a a press like putting pressure on people. I'm talking about a press where you push past your natural limitations, your natural, the natural obstacles that stand in your way and you press into prayer. You press into praise. You press into his presence. You press into um, his promises for your life the things he's promised you. This is a possessing a kind of faith that presses <clears throat> past what it's always seen and what it's always heard and what's always known and dares to believe God for more. This kind of press. And you know, this seems like it's not a forceful thing. It's not pressing to make your own way. It's putting pressure on the word of God knowing that it will work for you, being active in your faith. Um, and also a, it's also a faith that presses into his plan for your life. That's the kind of faith that we want to go after. We want to have working in us. <clears throat> this kind of faith will not, is not complacent to live where it's at, but it'll draw a line in the sand and it'll step over that, that limitation that has, has stopped them and held them up, draw a line in the sand, step over and press past what it's always seen and what it's always heard, what it's always felt. This is the pressing. I'm talking about pressing past something else. Faith is a risk. <laughs> and faith is meant to be one big adventure with God. Every time you encounter an obstacle in your life, you encounter a situation, a circumstance that seems, makes you want to hang your head down, makes you want to pout, makes you want to feel sorry for yourself, look at it as an adventure with God. Faith takes risk when others play it safe. Faith steps out when God whispers, go. Faith is a big adventure. You know, I just decided in my life, I'm gonna approach every single situation that I encounter like this, that faith is gonna be an adventure to me. I'm gonna go on this adventure with the Holy Spirit every day when I need to find something at the grocery store or my kids need something. Why not just enjoy the day and treat it as an adventure with God? I want to look at a woman of faith in the Bible that... I think I've studied this story so many times and I have read about her and I've heard teaching on her. And she's, today I felt like I, in the last few days, I felt like I've seen something new about her and how much of a woman of faith that she actually was. And it's Queen Esther. And if you'll turn with me to Esther chapter one, can we just look at this like a Bible study? I would just love to just go through this and just enjoy this with you because I seriously felt like that song today that the Lord was opening my eyes to his wonders when I was reading this. But 
A lot of people think Esther is this story, this romantic story, this enchanting romance. They think of it as this delightful love story. I actually read the description of this book of the Bible in, in my Bible, and this is what it said about it. Um, it's a delightful account of a Jewish heroine whose faithfulness saved her people from an uncertain death. I wonder if she felt like that. What do you think she was feeling like? I wonder. I wonder if she was just, I mean, you think about the things that she actually pressed through to see her victory. I mean, she was a woman of faith. And I believe this whole book is such a story of faith in God and what those kind of results can produce. I also believe that this story is a beautiful picture of the relationship that God wants to have and that he has designed between Christ and the church, this beautiful, loving relationship. And so I want to go through and look at this with you. It is a story of faith. She had so many obstacles to overcome if she wanted to experience her miracle. And that's true. All of us are going to experience things in life that we have to overcome. That's why God is right there. And this is the, uh, this is the victory that we have. It's our faith. Amen. And we have it. He's given it to us. So we talk, I'm going to tell you this real quick before we read more Esther, uh, more about Esther, but we talk a lot about what it means to get into faith and to get in faith. If you're going through something, you, um, you may say, oh, I need to get in faith over that situation. You know what you need to do, right? You need to get in faith. You need to get over into faith. And I was thinking about it and praying about it, and I started thinking about how Faith is a location. It's a, it's a place and a location that we have to press through some things to get over into it. And sometimes that's not just, it, what it is is it's the process of faith. There's a process to faith. Uh, I think a lot of people may think that faith is just like going in your room and confessing all your scriptures and, and that's wonderful. That's a part of the path, a part of the plan, a part of the process, but there's so many things to walk out. This, this is why we walk by faith. We take steps in the process and on the path to get over into faith, that place where we see victory, amen? So faith is a location, and sometimes you have to press, press through things to get to that. That's what I wanna talk to you about, this space between Okay, so the, this space between that you're pressing through, even sometimes it's the space between you and you've prayed the prayer of faith and then you are uh, walking through it. What do you do in the space between? When you're going from point A to point B, you have to walk through some stuff to get there. Now, I'm not talking about walk, like some, I'm not trying to talk like a religious, some people would believe like we gotta go through a lot of pain to get to where we're, we're believing God, or I've got to stay in the desert for so long before I can get to my destination. No, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a faith that, that presses through certain obstacles to get over into that place where you need to see victory. You know, think about it. If you're going to go um, from a city, one city to another city, you are, may have to pass through some places, pass through some cities to get there, but you don't want to quit before you get to your destination. Don't give up and quit too soon. 
you keep on, you keep, <clears throat> you keep standing and you keep believing and you keep walking one step at a time by faith until you get over into faith. You know what a location is? A location, I looked this up today. Hopefully I have this written down somewhere. This is pretty cool. A location is a place to settle down. That's what one of the definitions is. I'm going to find it here because I'm going to tell you exactly what I wrote down. It's pretty cool. Um, It's a place of settlement, a place to reside. It's a land that has its limits. Doesn't faith have its limits? I mean, aren't there, isn't there a point that you, you can tell if you're getting out of faith? I'm getting over out of faith and I'm getting into unbelief. Um, faith has its limits and, it, and it's kind of like a location. And you know, when you get over into faith, you know, it's, it's funny, it says it's a settlement or it's a place to settle or to reside. When you get over in faith, that's the moment where you get settled down deep on the inside about something something that God said, you get settled down deep. You, you settle it once and for all in your heart that God said it, I'm gonna believe it. If God said it, I'm gonna have it. That's that location of faith. You get there and you know when you've gotten there. And, um, and that this is the process of faith. It's how we walk by faith. And we don't wanna miss one step along the way. You know, if faith in God... I'll say it like this, faith in God will give you a story that will give him glory. Don't you want the whole story? Don't you want every detail? Like I told you my story, I have so many stories like that that God has done supernatural, amazing things that were so awesome and wonderful that only he could have done it. But faith in God will give you a story that will give him glory. And you don't wanna miss one step of that story. You don't want to miss one part in it. So I want to tell you about Esther because Esther's story has given God so much glory that she made it in the book, man. She made it in the book. What a cool girl. I was just in there thinking, I cannot wait to meet her someday. This, this, I'm just in awe of her. But there's so many interesting things that she did in her faith journey and all along the way. And I want to share some of those with you. And they have, these have been such key things that I have learned and applied to my life that have helped me in all these years of marriage and now in the ministry and now with kids and with friends and all of that. Let's just start in Esther chapter one. Um, and I want to just give you a little recap of this story. A lot of you know, everybody knows the story of Esther, but it was so intriguing to me to look back at it again. Queen Esther was originally a Jewish girl, peasant girl, captive that was brought into Persia. And she was, um, she was a beautiful woman. Her name was Hadassah. But when she came to the king's court, they changed her name to Esther. She, was, she had a secret. And her secret, her uncle, actually it was not her uncle, it was more like, more like an older cousin. He encouraged her to keep that secret, to not tell anyone that she was a Jew. And if you start out with the beginning of Esther, you see that, there was a queen and her name was Vashti and King Ahasuerus, he called Vashti in one day to display her beauty to all his friends. He's having a party. He wants her to come in and show off her beauty. She was a beautiful woman and she refuses to come and she is very disrespectful and she dishonors him. 
basically. And in chapter one, verse um, 15, the king starts to ask, what shall we do with Queen Vashti according to the law? And he's asking all of his advisors, what do we do with her now? Because she's been disrespectful. This is interesting to me. In verse 17, it says, for the queen's behavior will become known to all the women so that they will despise their husbands in their eyes. When they report King Ahasuerus command, commanded Queen Vashti to be brought in before him, but she did not come. She was dishonoring him. That was the one thing that made her ugly, dishonor. And sooner or later, it, it came out, didn't it? This very day, the noble ladies of Persia and Media will say to all the king's officials that they have heard of this behavior of the queen and thus there will be excessive contempt and wrath. And what he was saying was that this dishonor was about to spread and it was gonna breed through the kingdom. What she had done had the power to breed. And these women in the kingdom were gonna think now that it was okay to dishonor their husbands, but it wasn't okay. And, and I think it's interesting, the honor, um, honor's contagious. And when people are honorable all around you and they honor, and you honor your husband in your home, your kids will honor your husband in your home. It's contagious. You honor your husband at work. I know I, I've had to, I, I know I've had lots of opportunities to yield to this, but the moment I'm at work with my husband and he begins to speak, I have the opportunity to honor him and to, to receive what he's saying and to highly esteem it and to value it. It's the same way with God. But honor, a dishonor kept her out. Her appearance was not enough to secure her status or her success. Her appearance, this outward thing going on with her, it didn't mean anything because there was something else going on on the inside. And didn't God say in 1 Samuel 2.30, those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me will be lightly esteemed? And sooner or later, she was gonna lose that position in that place. But I think it's so cool that God prepares another queen who has something else, some other kind of beauty going on on the inside. And that was Queen Esther. And, and she comes, she gets brought into the temple. Uh, I'm sorry, not to the temple, the, the palace. And she comes there and they have her preparing to meet him for a whole year. You know, I was telling you my story, how I prepared for a month. I was working out for Jeremy, uh, get my outfits ready, getting, you know, planning my makeup shades, everything. Um, but I had a month to prepare. She had a whole year. And for six months, she soaked in oil of myrrh. I mean, that's a six-month bathtub. Ba that is an awesome, can you imagine? I just look forward to my 20 minutes in the bathtub at night before bed. Oh, six months all to herself soaking in oil and myrrh. Now, this is a really, this sounds awesome, right? I mean, you're going to the spa for six months straight, night and day. This is awesome. But if you, if you think about it, I really believe that this was much deeper and this was a type of the Holy Spirit and his anointing. And I believe that preparation time is never wasted time. And that those times that you prepare and you are by yourself with God and you are soaking in his presence, soaking in his anointing, those are not wasted times. And I believe that God was preparing her, that this was, a, this was just like how God 
how the Holy Spirit and the anointing comes on us for service. He was getting her ready to serve. He was getting her ready to save. That anointing that was coming on her wasn't for her sake because she was beautiful and she was wonderful. It wasn't for that. That anointing on her was for service. That anointing on her was to save her people. Whew, that is awesome. And it's hype of the Holy Spirit. She spent time soaking in his presence, soaking in that anointing. And then the next six months, they, they're doing all these other beauty preparations. Wow, that is super cool. A spa for a whole year. I think I'm gonna go home and talk to Jeremy about this when I get home. <clears throat> but um, in verse 15, we see another part of her character I think is so awesome. Um, if you read this, verse 15, um, let's see. She's about to go in to the king. She has to prepare for a whole year before she goes into him. And it says, now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. To me, if she requested nothing, that means to me that she was not high maintenance. She wasn't. And it also says that she requested, she requested nothing. To me, that means she's not demanding. She doesn't think everything's owed to her. But she is humbled to get to go in and be with the king. This is favor. And see, I mean, God just poured out his favor every person she met, favor after favor after favor. And then she goes in and this moment comes where she finally meets him after all this time. Verse 17, the king loved Esther more than all the other women and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Can you imagine this moment in her heart? She was a peasant and she became a princess. She was this poor girl captive that probably, man, had nothing. And then all of a sudden she is, she is the queen of Persia. Awesome, awesome moment. And in verse 18, the king made a great, great feast and celebrated her. Pretty awesome. Um, and then comes an obstacle in her path, just a little mountain that tries to stand in her way of enjoying this and all the glory. Mordecai uh, communicates to her and lets her know that there is an evil man in the kingdom who is going to destroy all the Jews and that the king has given him authority and power to do this. Makes her aware of it. And um, let's see here. I was gonna tell you this about her character too. I don't wanna forget this. Her character, that whole not demanding thing, that carried her through there. That carried her in that, in that palace. It helped her get through. And it was something deeper on the inside going on. You know, I believe that her beauty brought her there, but her honor kept her there. That cool? She, this is the one thing that she had different than Vashti. She honored the king more. She honored him. And that honor kept her there. Um, so she gets this bad news. 
which every single person in life at some point, if you're gonna live on this earth, is gonna get bad news. And she finds out that her whole family, you have to think about it in terms of not just the Jewish race, think about it as her family. And hasn't the, the enemy from the beginning of time has come to destroy family. I mean, if you look all through the Old Testament, you'll see it time and time again. This is his trick. And if he can't break you in your finances, if he can't tax you in your body, or your, he'll come to, to come at your family because he knows that is the, the heart and soul of who you are. That's where the deepest part of you loves, for, loves. You love your family, right? And so he comes at the family and in the way, the reason he does that is not just, he doesn't come to attack your family with sickness or with problems or all these things. He comes to get to your soul. He comes to affect your feelings and your mind and your emotions. He comes, he comes to get to that part, that deep part in you. And um, in chapter four, verse four, it says that, Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her and everything that was happening and the queen was greatly distressed. I mean, you think of this just a pleasant, delightful little story. I mean, she went through some stuff in her soul and it was hard. Um, and she was, she was going through some stuff and she, I think he, he tries to just tell her and encourage her, you gotta, be the, you gotta be the savior. You're gonna have to go in and you're gonna have to talk to the king. You're gonna have to communicate to him that he can't kill your family and please plead with him. But if you look in verse 11, oh, there's so many yummy things in here. I can't do all of it. Wait, how much time do I have? Am I almost done? I'm almost out of time. How much time do I have? How much? Glory to God, 20 minutes? Okay, okay, um, okay, <laughs> let's see here. So she's deeply distressed. And at this point, she's going to have to press past something if she's gonna see her victory, okay? Verse um, 11, all the king's servants and the peoples of the king's promises know that any man or woman, she's saying this to Mordecai, do you realize, Mordecai, that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law put all to death except the one for whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live? There's a possibility if she goes in there to him without being called on, she is going to die. This is so awesome. I mean, I wish we had time to go in and really study it out because this is just in-depth type of us coming before God and how Jesus has made a way for us to come past the outer courts into the inner courts, into the holy holies. It's a beautiful thing, but we're not gonna get into all that. I'm gonna stay on track, Sarah. No rabbit trails. Can everybody say that to me? Sarah, no rabbit trails. Okay, so I just love this because Mordecai, she's saying, okay, here's all the things that could hold me back. Here's all the things I'm gonna have to press through if I wanna get in there to the inner courts. Here's all the things, and it could happen that I die. And Mordecai sends an answer to her and he says, do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. I think it's awesome. At the beginning of this verse, he says, for if you remain silent, he's warning her. To me, this is like the Holy Spirit warning us. If you remain silent in this time, your words cannot go to work for you. And part 
of the process of faith, the part of pressing past obstacles is refusing to remain silent. You got to open up your mouth and you got to say something. You got to open your, up your mouth and you got to speak the word of God. And if you, if you think about what Jesus told us is the process of faith in Mark chapter 11, he says, have faith in God. If you say unto the mountain, be removed. What is this? This is that thing you got to press through. You got to say to the thing that's standing in your way, be removed and be cast into the sea. You've got to press through that place. And right now we see what Esther does. And I love this. She says, Go, gather the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She presses past her feelings and she presses into prayer. The moment that you press past your feelings, you press into prayer, you're going somewhere. You're moving toward that location. She, in a second, we see what she's about to do. She's about to press past her fear and press into his presence, okay? So she gathers all these people and she fasts for three days. Isn't that awesome that she goes to seek God and she's patient? See, this is part of the process, patience, she doesn't run in there frantically and start yelling at the king and putting pressure on him. What does she do? She holds her tongue for a minute. She gets quiet and she seeks the Lord. She presses into the plan. She presses in to what he has, what, he's, what he wants her to do for three days. She's taking her time here. In chapter five, it says, it happens on the third day that Esther puts on her royal robe. So she's got the plan, okay? Now, I don't know if she just knows all the plan like we would know the plan today, like the whole from the Holy Spirit, but I believe her prayer, it, it paved the way for the plan to come to pass. And she starts walking out the plan, maybe without even realizing it. Do you know how many times we do that? And how much prayer pre prepares us for things? You know, oftentimes I believe that people's prayer failures are a result of premature prayer. Haven't taken the time to seek the Lord on his will on something. Haven't taken the time to just stop and be quiet in his presence and ask him, Lord, what would you have me say over this situation? What scripture do I need to stand on? You know, you, could have, you should have a scripture for everything you're believing God for. What scripture should I stand on? What should I be saying over this? What should I say over my children or over this situation? What do you want me to speak? Take time in his presence. Don't pray real quick. Now that may be a foreign thing to some people, but I think that that's helped me the most in my life. I've gone to pray over stuff and I realize you're about to pray in fear. You're about to pray out of frustration. And I realize I need to stop and I need to get with Jesus and I need to hear from him. I need to hear what he wants me to say. I need to hear my scripture on this. And then I go and I approach God in prayer and there's power when I pray from that point on. So Esther, she, I love this. She gets dressed in her royal robes and she stands in the inner court of the king's palace. Isn't that a picture of us coming boldly before the throne of grace? It's, this is made to be a picture of us coming in with our robe of clothes and our robe of righteousness right before the throne of God. And he comes, she comes up before his throne 
And when the king sees Queen Esther, this is in verse, verse two, standing in the court, she finds favor in his sight. The king holds out to Esther the golden scepter. It was in his hand and Esther goes near and he, she touches the top of the scepter and the king says to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half of the kingdom. So Esther answers, if it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. I love that he says, Esther, what is it? Just ask. Just ask, what do you want? Up to half of the kingdom is yours. It's just like Jesus stands before us today and he, God wants us to ask. He wants us to stop being silent, open up our mouth and just ask him already. Ask him. Ask him, make your requests known unto him. I, when I prayed over you today, I felt the Lord wanted me to tell you that he wants to bless you big, big time. I mean, the secret things that have been lying dormant in your heart, the dreams and the visions and the, the, the desires, things you would like to have. Did you know it's okay for you to have some nice things? Amen. Yes, it's okay for you to have nice things. God wants you to have a story that will give him glory. And, and he, she, he says, what do you want up to half of the kingdom? It, it's so cool. He just keeps saying it to her. Verse six, six, he says it to her again. What is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Up to half of the kingdom, it shall be done. What is God trying to get something over to us? Just ask, make your request, get quiet with me. Delight yourself in me. Enjoy me. And I'll give it to you. It's so cool that she's patient in the process. She's cool. She's chill. She's at rest, isn't she? And though she's in a tough spot, she waits until her third interaction with the king. She doesn't ask him the first time. She doesn't ask him the second time. She waits till the third time. This is patience in the process of faith. With faith and patience, that's how we inherit the promise. Not just one, not just faith, not just patience, both together is how we inherit the promise. And she's chill and she's in faith and she stays there. And she's, she's just, I just think she's so cool. <laughs> but she if we keep reading, um, you know, I will say this, the one thing the Lord has shown me over the years is that, based on that scripture, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself. That means to enjoy him. I believe that so many people need to start, stop enduring their time with God and start enjoying their time with God. And the reason so many people aren't seeing what they are, want in life is because they've stopped seeking him and started seeking after things. Spending all, you know, whatever you spend your, the most time is, the most time doing is what you're seeking after. But we seek first the kingdom and all these things are added unto us. But so many people don't receive because they stopped enjoying him, started th seeking after things. But in chapter seven, we're almost done. Verse two, the king reassures her again of his desire to bless her. And he reminds her again of her inheritance. Verse two says, what is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. What is your request? Up to half of the kingdom, it shall be done. He's saying, ask, go ahead and ask already. 
I just thought I should probably name this, even though I called it secret petitions. Go ahead and ask already. That's what he's saying to you. And then verse three, Queen Esther finally says it. Maybe she just needed time to be completely convinced of his love for her. It took time in his presence, didn't it? And then one day she had confidence to boldly ask. And she said, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me as at my petition and my people at my request. Tells him the whole story. Basically, this is what's going to happen. Haman is the bad guy. He's trying to kill all my people. I'm a Jew. The secret's out. She cries out and asks for the secret petition of her heart. She wanted to be saved. And, you know, we read in 1 John 5 that this is the confidence we have toward him. You know what? We should read this. Let's read it. I like to look at the scripture. <laughs> First John chapter five, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Woo! Guys, I am asking for a lot of big things right now. And this makes me excited. I am preaching to myself right now. You know what I'm asking for? I'm gonna tell you right now what I'm asking for. I haven't told very many people this. I am asking for the nations. That's what I'm asking for now. I'm not, I, I, got to, I got to a point where I was like, Lord, I want people. I want to reach people. I want to reach the nations of the earth. I want people to know your love and kindness and your tender mercies. I am asking you for nations. You know, when Jeremy and I started asking the Lord for nations, we started going on TV in other nations. That's how God's going to give us the nations is he keeps on opening doors and more and more. He is so awesome. Guys, I'm a crier up here. Golly. Oh, Lord. It's a little hot too. I'm hot. I'm crying. This is, whew, all this estrogen. Just playing. Okay. Anyway, we're almost done here. Let's go back to Esther. I want to read you one more scripture. And this is just a little dessert for you, okay? Are you ready for this? Um, I just think it's so special that we can just ask and God just wants us to ask. And, you know, he can't even get it to us until we ask. He can't even get it to us until we believe we receive. We receive every single thing by faith. It will not just fall on us. This is the beauty of the New Testament, this new covenant, that Jesus is the grace of God poured out on us, the blessing of God poured out on us. And our job, our, our part in this beautiful relationship is faith. We get the opportunity to believe him. We get the opportunity to trust him. We get the opportunity to think big, to think outside of the box, to go far with him, to dream, dream, dream big. And I just want to encourage you today, dream bigger. Dream bigger. When I was, uh, do I got five more minutes? Okay, great. When I was younger, I was in um, college. I was leading worship for the college ministry at my church and the children's ministry and 
I just, I love the Lord. I knew there was something coming that God had plans for my life. I was trusting him for the next step and the next plan. And I remember I was in a service. I was sitting on the front row. I had led worship that night. And the, per, the lady that got up to preach, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Brook Hill Ranch um, in Arkansas, but this is a, a teacher from there. She's just an amazing woman of God. She's got up to teach. And she came over and she looked at me right in the face and she laid her hand on my head and she said, God said, dream bigger. Enlarge your tents. Enlarge your capacity to receive. He had to tell me that and give me a word because he needed me to think bigger than what I was thinking. I was this little girl, um, small town, Arkansas. I mean, I was doing everything I knew to deserve God, but he had to get me thinking bigger, dreaming bigger, believing bigger before he could get it to me. And man, she laid her hand on me. I felt the presence of God, I mean, flow over me like hot oil, like honey just ooze all over me. And I was weeping, crying in the presence of the Lord. I knew God had just touched, I mean, heaven had just touched me. It was just this moment. And from that point on, I stopped thinking small. I started dreaming big. I closed my, I lay in bed at night. I closed my eyes and I would just dream with God. You know, we should still be doing that no matter what age we are, dreaming about what he has for us, getting excited for the plan of God for our life, going after God with all our hearts. And oh, I just, I just love the presence of the Lord and I wanted him. I wanted his whole plan, but he couldn't get it to me until I got bigger on the inside, until I enlarged my heart and until I presented a petition to him. And you know, at that point I started by faith petitioning God pressing into God, pressing for the more, pressing through over into that place of faith. And, um, oh, this is so, this is so fun. I'm having so much fun up here. I just want to read you one more um, part of this that just blessed me so much when I read about the king. You know, King Ahasuerus, he just, just blesses Esther, saves her people. She, she saves her people, but he, he just, grants her request and he even in chapter eight, he gives, I love this, the very first line, on that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman. You gotta remember Haman was the enemy and he put Queen Esther, actually later it says, put her over the house. What is that? That's like Jesus himself handing his authority over to me and you. And he's saying, you choose. What do you want? Ask me for it. What do you want? Make your request known. You choose what you receive in life. You choose what you want. You choose. You make the choice. I'm here. I'm here to grant your request, but you choose. And he gives her that authority. He takes off his signet ring, which that signet ring was a seal. And it meant whatever is mine is yours. Whatever's mine is yours. Isn't that like Jesus? We are joint heirs with Jesus. Awesome, huh? Joint heirs with Christ. What's his is mine. And what mine is his. I don't have a life outside of him. Everything I have is in him. What is that? That's, a, that's being joint heirs with Christ. And he, this king, he hands her his ring and hands it to Mordecai. And gives that authority to them 
to go and make decisions and do and to decide what they want in life. He hands them authority. You know, we could go on and on and on. I have this whole book highlighted. It's like ridiculous. There's more chat, there are more verses highlighted than not. But we could go on. I wish I could do like a whole series on this. It's so much fun. But I love how the king just kept saying, What is your request? Just ask me, ask big. And I just want us to do that tonight. Just take a minute and close our eyes and remember. Why don't you just do this with me? Close your eyes. And I want you to look back. And I want you to remember a time when you were excited about the Lord and excited about his plan for your life. And Father, I'm just asking you to stir that up right now. Just stir that fire on the inside. Just set ablaze, Lord, those things that have been that have been lying dormant, those dreams for the future, dreams for um, ministry, more ministry influence, what, um, dreams, just everyday life, dreams for your family, dreams for a house, dreams for possessions, all these things. God is big enough. He can do it all. Why don't you say that with me? God, you can do it all. I believe you can do it all. And you know, it's one, one path. You can just keep your eyes closed. One step past believing that he can do it is believing that he will do it. And he will. He's faithful. Father, we love you right now. I'm asking you to remind every single woman in here of their calling, what you've called them to do, the plan. I'm asking you to help them in this walk of faith, that they would be patient, Lord, that they would continue to endure and they would press past any hardship. They'd press past any frustration. They'd press past any feelings, negative feelings. They'd press past any um, fear, just like Esther did, she pressed past the fear of man and went on in into the presence of the Lord. And right now, Lord, we press past every feeling that has tried to keep us out of your best. And we press past and we move over into that location of faith, that place where we have, oh, uh, whoa, we have the victory. And right now, by faith, we say we have the victory in our families. We have the victory in our finances. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We are loved, loved, loved by you. You are the King of Kings our King of Kings, the Lord of our, lower, of our lives. You are taking care of us. We trust you. And why don't you just take a minute and open your mouth and tell the Lord right now in faith, tell him how much you trust him. I trust you with my life, Father. I trust you with my ministry. I trust you that my family is always in the right place at the right time. Thank you, Jesus.